What's up, guys? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael, and today we are going to be going over some of the most enticing future bets for the Mountain West via DraftKings Sportsbook, one of our official partners. Before we dive into everything, you guys, it is stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market in Colorado, it is crazy. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They're going to alleviate so much stress. They're just going to take some of that worry off of your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Mike and Virginia are proud DNVR members, they're CSU alum, and they work nights and weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Tell him Justin from DNVR Rams sent you. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, we are going to be diving into some future bets for the Mountain West Conference today. Really, really excited to dive into all of these. I actually think there's some pretty decent value on the Mountain West side, some opportunities for you guys to make some money. I did, however, want to briefly dive into what was a weird situation on the uh, soccer pitch. The Keeley Hagen era definitely started kind of awkwardly, I guess, to say the least, you know, um, CU, they were winning 3-0. There was a, a multiple-hour lightning delay at Prentup Field, uh, two hours and nine minutes, actually. It, it kind of seemed like they were working towards a potential restart-up. They only needed to play 20 more minutes to make the game official. You know, much like baseball, you got to get through uh, five innings. You got to get through 70 minutes in a soccer match. Um but there is a rule, NCAA Rule 763, which states once a game has been started and suspended, it must not be restarted later than three hours after originally scheduled unless mutually agreed upon before the start of the game by the teams or determined by the governing sports authority. Because of that, uh, CSU cited that rule. They did not restart up. The game goes in the books as a no contest. Uh, buffs were really pissed. You know, CU was talking about how much you know the Rams were ducking them, and and quite frankly, I understand why CU was pissed. They were up three zero. You know, it it doesn't look super great on CSU side. It kind of looks like they're running. But my counter to that is, I think if I was Keely Hagen, I would probably do the same thing. Optics be damned. You know, like I said, people are going to mock you and say that you ran and that you ducked them and that you were down three zero and that it's a loser mentality and all that. But my thing is, if I'm a baseball manager and it's going to be a rain delay and, you know, it's like a three hour rain delay, I'm down, you know, let's say five one. We have an opportunity to get out of that game or we can force it to keep going. That manager is going to get out of that game every single time. It's it's not a complete game. Doesn't count. You know, it kind of is what it is. I feel like in this situation, both coaches were looking out for the best interest of their program again. CU is going to say you ducked them and, you know, and in some ways you did, but I think I probably would have done the same thing. Why take the L on your record? Why take a three zero loss in the first ever game of the Keeley Hagen era? If you don't necessarily have to, I'm just saying, 
at the end of the day, both of these schools are always going to look out for their best interests. And that's what, you know, happened here. CU wanted to invoke the 70 minute rule and force them back on the field. CSU invoked a different rule, which, you know, stated they can't come back more than three hours after the original scheduled kickoff time, unless that was mutually agreed upon before. It wasn't. That is a rule. Just because it's a rule that we don't necessarily know about, it's not a common one, doesn't necessarily mean that it's obscure. That was the thing that kind of annoyed me about this whole situation from the CU media side is they were acting like CSU, you know, pulled a, a rabbit out of the hat or something like that. It's in the it's in the rule book. Just because you didn't know it doesn't make it it's, it's obscure. It means you didn't know the fucking rule. Excuse my language there. I got a little worked up. You know, I, I got into it with a couple of people on Twitter. It, it's never worth the time. I mean, anytime I get into it with the CU media bros, it always goes the same. They try and pull the same BS arguments. You know, little brother this, we only play you for charity, yada, yada, yada. I pointed out the fact that, you know, CU men's basketball is ducking CSU this year because they don't want to risk, you know, another loss. I'm not saying the Buffs are, are playing a weak non-conference schedule. They do have some top 25 teams on their non-conference slate. And they're worried about losing those. And so, you know, they don't also want to risk loss against a really good CSU team. It is what it is. You know, ducking is ducking. In this particular instance, CSU women's soccer, they found a way to duck CU after the game had already started. Again, they were well within their right. It was in the rule book. They're not doing anything that they can't do. But they found a way to get out of a 3-0 loss. And if you want to criticize them, if you want to say that's soft, I get it. But again... I would probably do the same thing if I was the head coach. I'm going to do what's in the best interest for my program. And then flipping things over to, to the CU side, I'm going to criticize Tad Boyle. I'm going to say, you know, they're ducking the Rams. But again, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. When you are the head coach of a Division One program, it's not your job to worry about the, the feelings of the fans or whether, you know, they're going to like every single decision you make. You hope that they do. But in the long run, you're just trying to do what's best for your program. And that's what these coaches are doing. So I don't know. The whole thing just kind of feels silly to me. It, it all got blown out of proportion. Again, you know, if, if you want to criticize CSU for being weak, I guess you can. But when it's their right to do that within within the rule book, I just I don't think there's that much to criticize. You know, it, it doesn't look great. The optics aren't great. But who cares? If you're Keely Hagan, you don't care what a bunch of buff writers are writing about you. You want people to invest wholeheartedly in the CSU soccer program. You don't want them to think you're weak or anything like that. But again, like it's your it's your job to do what's best for this program, not necessarily what is going to make the fans the happiest. And I guess my alternative is, do you want them to just go out and take the 3-0 loss? I mean, I understand that there's something to be said about the game was played, but they couldn't play an official game. It's not official. It happens in baseball all the time. In CU's hearts, they know they won that game. They know, the they know that they were the better team on the pitch on that afternoon. But also, you know, life is life. Sometimes it throws you lemons and, and you don't get to finish things. Sometimes you don't get the credit you deserve. And that's what happened here. It's not the end of the world. Both teams tried to use the, the rule book to put themselves in a situation that favors them. CSU ended up figuring out the rule that was most advantageous, advantageous for them in that situation. So that's my thoughts on the situation. You know, it is what it is. Both teams were trying to do what was best for them. And you can criticize either side on various points of this rivalry and, you know, whether certain teams are ducking other teams. You know, again, I brought up men's basketball. I think the football team ducked CSU last year as well. But, you know, 
sometimes that happens in sports. It's it's all theater. It's all drama. All the arguments are more or less pointless, especially between CSU and CU, just because you know it's it's two sides where you're never you're never gonna agree on anything. I I feel like I generally go into most arguments with CU people pretty level headed. I try and think about the situation log- logically. You know, I I'll admit that it's not beneficial for CU football to schedule CSU in the sense when they only have three non-conference games. Now, when the Pac-12 flips things and they inevitably go to four non-conference games like some of these other schools, I think that argument changes a little bit. But I understand the argument that, you know, you want to get some higher profile games. You know, they have a lot more to lose in that situation. But soccer, volleyball, you know, basketball, those arguments don't apply in the same way because you have way more games. But even so, you know, coming from from CU side, they just act so arrogant, like it's charity, you know, like they're so much better than CSU. They're so prestigious in the Pac-12. And it just it drives me insane because the Pac-12 is the lowest of the power five conferences. And on top of that, CU hasn't been all that successful in the Pac-12. So it just feels weird to pound their chests. They have all the success over CSU in, in recent history. The Bobo era was obviously atrocious when it came to success in the Rocky Mountain showdown. I get all of that, but it's been competitive in hoops for a decade. It's been competitive in volleyball and the couple times they played in soccer. And I just think the the arrogance is a little nauseating at times. And I've I've said this to my bus friends' faces, so it's not like I'm you know talking behind their backs or anything like that. They know exactly how I feel about this rivalry. And in some ways, I think CSU kind of does it to Wyoming. You know, the whole you know, we're better than you. We live in a better city. At least that's our opinion. You know, but Boulder fans, they feel that way about Boulder versus Fort Collins. And, you know, we're big time. We have bigger, better rivalries than you. And that kind of bums me out too, because I think the the CSU-Wyoming rivalry is more important historically than the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I think CSU-Wyoming, I think the history there, it matters. And it's a rivalry that I enjoy a hell of a lot more. It's a conference game. It's got the tradition. It's got the history. The bronze boot is incredible. Speaking of which, it looks amazing after both schools recently got it touched up. Looks absolutely awesome. Can't wait to see it in person. Anyways, I've gone way off track here. I've gone on a completely different (laughs) tangent. So I am going to transition over into uh, some of my favorite future bets for this season in the Mountain West. Before I do, everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner. College football season to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of action with $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard me right. All you got to do is bet $1 or more on any college football game. They've already got the lines up for Week 0, Week 1, even some Week 2 matchups. You're going to get $200. It's going to come in $25 bets. You can sprinkle that out. You know, one $200 bet would be a lot of pressure. This way, you can kind of diversify your funds, give yourself an opportunity to to really spread your cash out and make some money. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Check out all the great promotions, daily odds boosts that they're offering. It's safe, secure, and reliable because they're located right here in the United States, which makes it easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That promo code DNVR when you sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Keeping the conversation on DraftKings Sportsbook, I do want to give you my DraftKings pick of the week before we start talking about the Mountain West. 
With that in mind, we've really been diving into some of these regular season win totals for the draft pod, you know, trying to find the best value, trying to see where the inefficiencies are, maybe which teams are being undervalued, overvalued, all of that fun stuff. One of the things I've realized is that if you're going to bet on one of the favorites like Clemson or Alabama, for instance, if you think they're going to make the college football playoff, a lot of people do too. And because of that, that prop bet isn't going to give you great value. But logically, if they are going to make the college football playoff, it's going to take, you know, a double digit win season, likely 11, 12, 13 wins. And that's why when you can get plus 11 and a half for Clemson at, uh, excuse me, you can get over 11 and a half wins for Clemson at plus 110. I think that's great value. I think Clemson in a not that strong ACC is really going to run the table. I honestly think they underperformed at times last year. You've got DJ Ugalele, who I think is probably going to win the Heisman this year. I just think he's going to put a massive numbers. And at some point it's got to correct itself, right? Like Trevor Lawrence, he never won a Heisman despite being the best quarterback in college football and arguably the best player in college football overall for three straight years. Can Ugalele do the same? You know, if he's that same guy for a couple of years, it feels like at some point, one of these Clemson quarterbacks has got to win it, whether it's, you know, after Watson not winning one and, and after T. Lawrence not winning one, it just feels like Ugalele's due. They've got the weapons on the outside. They've got incredible talent in the defensive trenches. I just think Clemson is going to roll this year. And that's why over 11 and a half wins feels like a really, really safe bet, especially when you get the ACC championship game factored into that conversation. You know, they might slip up, lose a game or two in the regular season, but you still have a solid chance of hitting that over. And because of that, my DraftKings pick of the week, over 11 and a half wins this season, Clemson Tigers. Cool, 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 cool. With that in mind, let's just transition right into the Mountain West talk and, and talk about some of the enticing options that they have on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of the official partners of DNVR. I just talked about how I think Clemson and and Alabama are not locks necessarily, but basically locks, I guess, for the college football playoff. And because of that, I like their chances to get over 11 and a half wins. And I really like those bets when you can get it at plus money. Even if one of them hits, you're, you're likely going to come out on top. That's the that's the thing when it comes to sports betting. Sometimes you got to be strategic about the process, cash in, you know, place the bets that you think are most likely to hit, but spread it out, diversify your funds, and just give yourself more of an opportunity. You know, I understand the the logic of if you only bet a little bit, you're only going to win a little bit, but you can't go broke winning. You take a profit. You know what I mean? So I'm, I think it's better to just kind of spread it out. Plus, it makes it more fun. You know, if you have a high stakes bet on something, there's a lot of pressure as an observer there. You know, maybe you're sweating through your shirts, you're stressed out, you're not even enjoying it at that point. When you just sprinkle a little bit here and there on the various games, you have an interest level in all of those games. You're you're into it. You want to follow those teams. You want to see what's happening. And, and it still feels great when you win, but it's not quite as devastating when you lose. So that's that's my advice, especially for all you young sports bettors out there. You know, again, you can take this with a grain of salt. I'm not trying to sit up here and preach like I'm some type of sports betting genius, but I did come out, you know, over a thousand dollars ahead for 2020. And I did it with this approach, you know, just bet a little bit here and there. Don't, you know, don't get too intense. Should should add, you know, Nikola Jokic winning the MVP helped me a ton, won 520 bucks there. That was a, a big, about a third of my winnings for the year. Um, but, you know, hey, still came out ahead other than that. So with that in mind, let's kind of dive into it. While I think Clemson and Alabama are, are 
really going to have great chances to win 12 plus games this year. One of the bets that I really love, um, this is honestly one of my favorite bets across the board, not even just Mountain West, but in all of college football, is UNLV. Their over-under win total is only one and a half, and you can actually get the over at minus 105. I think there's a pretty good opportunity for that to hit. Again, I'm not saying that UNLV is going to be anything special because they're not. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the conference, but two wins? I mean, they've got Eastern Washington at home. They've got to win that one in the regular season opener. It's going to be huge. You need a big performance from Charles Williams, who, you know, again, he's really the only reason I think UNLV has a chance to hit this bet. One of the better running backs in the conference. I think he's good for a a couple of games this year where he just absolutely explodes, you know, maybe runs for a couple of touchdowns, you know, 200, 250 rushing yards, something like that. Eastern Washington, they're, they're a really consistent FCS program, much like situation that CSU's in with South Dakota State coming to town. You know, this is a team that you have to respect, but as a D1 team, it's also a game that you have to expect to win. So I'm giving UNLV the benefit of the doubt, assuming that they're able to pull that off at home. Hopefully they don't let me down. And then after that, you probably lose at Arizona State, one of the sleepers in the Pac-12, ranked number 25 right now. Definitely going to lose to Iowa State as well, who comes to UNLV on September 18th. You've got a trip to UTSA on October 2nd. That's deceptively a pretty tough game. I'm not sure that's the one I want to bank on for them to get their second win. But you've also got Utah State at home, and Utah State's going to be just as bad. You know, Other than that, maybe you could steal one at New Mexico. Um, maybe at Fresno State. I'm pretty high on Fresno State, though, so I, I don't really see that coming. But basically, out of those four games, you know, Eastern Washington, UTSA, Utah State, and UNM, you've got to go 500. And if you do that, this bet hits... All the other games, you know, if you if you steal an upset in any of the other matchups, that's just a bonus. That means you're much, much more likely to win. But so long as you go 500 in that four-game stretch, you're going to have an opportunity, and that's why I really like the value here. And that's why I recommend you take the over at minus 105 for the UNLV win total, which is one and a half games this year. Before we move on, I do want to add, these are just, you know, my recommendations. I'm not telling you that you have to do this if, if it doesn't hit. Don't send me any nasty tweets. You know, at the end of the day, it's still your decision, but I'm just telling you where I would put my money if I was in your situation. Off of that, CSU's win total, it's at five. Under, you can get it at minus 130. If you're not feeling very hot about the Rams quarterback situation, especially after Matt Vilecci uh, went down for the season today, you know, if you're worried about the depth behind Todd Santeo, maybe you take it there. If you think they're a bowl team, though, you can get the over at plus 110. I still feel like six and six plus is is very within the realm of possibility for this Rams team, just given the talent that they have at the skill positions. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Vallecci went down, but Centeo was going to be the starter anyways. So unless, you know, he performed so poorly that they had to make a switch or gets got injured, you know, it was always going to be Centeo anyways. You are worried about the depth, but if your starting quarterback goes down, expectations go out the window at that point anyways. That's any team in America. Personally, I think the over is a whole lot more fun because you get to root for success. But I guess the counter would be if you took the under and they have a poor season, at least you make a little bit of money out of it. So it's one of those, you know, do you want to follow your heart? Do you want to follow logic? Although, again, I think there is some logic in them taking the over. I don't think that's all just betting, you know, via fandom or with your emotional attachment or whatever. But I I would lean the over barely. Again, I think that six and six, seven and five is kind of what you're hoping for, but 
you know, I, I still feel pretty good about it. Keeping things along the front range, Air Force's win total is six and a half. You can get the over at minus 125, the under at plus 105. Air Force is going to be one of the most interesting teams in the country because they get so many guys back that didn't play last season. And because of that, it's kind of hard to make any predictions. You know, I, I think CSU has a pretty good chance to knock them off this year, knock on wood. You know, I know it's been, what, since 2015, I think, or maybe it was 2016. I think 2015, yeah, because 2016 was the shootout that they lost in the Springs. Um, since CSU was able to knock off the Falcons, they're due. Hopefully this is the the year. I'm going to be honest, man, because, because they're so little information about air force. I mean, they, they don't advertise anything. Even their own media doesn't know a whole lot about them. I've, I've reached out to some of these guys. I'd probably stay away from air forces win total. Maybe the under is a little bit appealing just given that you get it at plus money, but air force is going to be a stickler for anyone that they play. We always know that they're a thorn of the, in the side of everyone in the mountain West. They, at least over the last couple of years have performed pretty well in the, in their rivalry games against Navy and army. And because of that, you know, I, I don't know if I would have enough confidence taking that under, but ultimately I would probably stay away from Air Force altogether. Wyoming, they are listed at seven and a half. The over is minus 130. The under is plus 110. If you're a Wyoming hater, like most of my listeners are, you're probably chomping at the bit to take the under just given you get it at plus money. My warning to you, though, is they have two of the better players in the conference returning and Xavion Valaday at running back and Chad Muma at linebacker. Sean Chambers, I think, is a he's a good college quarterback, big beefy dude, just a good winner, the heart and soul of that offense, along with Valaday, but he's kind of a quiet guy. Chambers is more of the rah-rah guy, the the guy that gets them all going. You know, if he stays healthy, I think it's probably an over just because they have a really favorable schedule. I mean, just diving into it here, they open with Montana State at home. They go to Northern Illinois, which could be a little bit tricky, but Northern Illinois has been down the last couple of years. They host Ball State, and then they go to UConn. Maybe UConn could be a potential upset. You know, maybe they lose that one just because they have to travel so far. UConn obviously opted out of the season altogether last year, so it's kind of a lot of unknowns. Going to be tough to scout. That would be the only non-conference game I feel that worried about them losing. And then after that, you know, they go to Air Force, host Fresno State, host New Mexico to San Jose State, host CSU at Boise, at Utah State, and then they host Hawaii. Utah State should be a win. Hawaii coming to Laramie on November 27th. That should absolutely be a win for Wyoming. I mean, San Jose State on the road is tough. Air Force on the road is tough, but they get CSU at home. Boise State on the road is tough. I don't know. I just I I lean towards the over, just given that they have a really strong chance to go 3-1, and one, if not 4-0, and oh, in non-conference, and that's going to set them up really nicely going into conference play. Excuse me. Another team that I would probably stay away from in the Mountain Division would be UNM. Their win total is listed at 4.5. You can get the over at minus 120, the under at plus 100. New Mexico is kind of a tough cookie to gauge right now. They're a team that played significantly better down the stretch than their record probably indicates. They were in every game last year. They just, you know, they kind of lost a lot of close ones. I will say their non-conference is fairly favorable outside of Texas A&M. They've got Houston Baptist at home, New Mexico State, who's terrible. And they go to two UTEP. You know, if they can win a couple of those, that's really going to set them up nicely. 
the the big thing that's hard to gauge at this point is we just don't really don't know what that offense is going to look like. Probably going to be yet another different uh, starting quarterback. Just a lot of unknowns at this point. And because of that, even though I like Danny Gonzalez a lot, and I really do think he is going to have that New Mexico team a lot more competitive in these next couple of seasons, I'd probably shy away from that one. Uh, rounding out the Mountain Division, we've got Utah State. Three and a half is their win total. You can get the over at minus 120 or the under at plus 100. They're another tough one because they have, they've just had so much roster turnover. You know, they brought in Justin Rice, who was actually the 2020 Mountain West preseason defensive player of the year for Fresno State before transferring to Arkansas State. Played there last season when it didn't look like the Mountain West was originally going to play. Now he's back in the Mountain West at Utah State, kind of come full circle. He's a stud, man. He He's really going to make a big impact for that Utah State defense. Traditionally, they've had pretty good linebackers over the year. He will be the next in, in what's been a line of many of those guys. Other than that, though, it's just hard to predict. I mean, their quarterback play was atrocious last year. I do like Savon Scarver, uh, one of the most electric punt returner, kick returners in the nation. This dude is sick. But, you know, outside of him, outside of Justin Rice, I just... I don't know enough about this team to confidently bet either way. And and they're one of the teams I'm, I'm most looking forward to watching in non-conference play just to get kind of a, a read on them. You know, if they're if they're anywhere near what that team was last year, they're going to be awful. And I think the under is probably decent value, especially getting it at plus money. But I do think that they have brought in some talent, and I, I think they're probably going to be competitive enough that the over is going to be in play. I mean, four and eight seems pretty realistic for that team. And because of that, probably staying away from that one as well. Uh, let's flip it over and, and talk about the West now. You can get San Jose State. Uh, their win total is 8, the over plus 106, under minus 125, or plus 105, minus 125, excuse me. I I tend to, to really like the over here. I, I think San Jose State is going to be really good this year. They do have a fairly difficult schedule you know, just playing devil's advocate. They've got a couple of power five teams on the slate, but that defensive line is legit, man. And they've got Nick Starkle coming back at quarterback. I'm a big believer in Brent Brennan. I think he's a good football coach. I think it's been a building, building it up at San Jose state is no easy task, man. They don't have the administrative support. They obviously don't have the fan support. The facilities have been lackluster, and it's just tough to win there, but they've done a really good job of bringing in talent. And I think that's a, a team that's going to be really competitive this year. And honestly, you know, just we've been talking about regular season win totals. If, if you want to talk about to win the conference, Boise State is the betting favorite at minus 125. You can get San Jose State at plus 500 or Nevada at plus 450. I would rather put money on both Nevada and San Jose State than Boise State one because I'm never going to root for Boise State to win the conference. But beyond that, I think if you polled around the league, Boise State, yeah, they were the preseason conference favorite, and part of that is because they didn't have anyone to split their vote in the Mountain Division like San Jose State and Nevada did to each other in the West. They're a, they're a good team. They have the history. They have the precedent. But they're not the best team in the Mountain West right now. They're not. And the gap between them and the rest of the league, it just it isn't what it was you know, in 2011. It's a different era. And, and I think both of those teams, Nevada and San Jose State, are, are better than Boise State. I just do. And I like the value you get there at plus 450 and plus 500. And I'll tell you what, man. San Jose State, week two, they play at USC. 
USC better be on their game. You know, there's a lot of Keaton Slovis hype. I think he was number 10 or 11 on Todd McShay's big board. But, man, they better be on it because San Jose State will come out and punch them in the mouth. They just have to travel a ton, man. They host Southern Utah. Then they go to USC, which isn't bad. But after that, at Hawaii, at Western Michigan, I mean, you don't get much further than that before coming home for New Mexico State, traveling to CSU, hosting SCSU, traveling to UNLV, which isn't bad, hosting Wyoming, at Nevada, hosting Utah State, hosting Fresno State. They just Most of their tough games are at home. That game at Nevada on November 6th is going to be a big one for them. But I like their opportunity to win those non-conference games despite the travel. I mean, you're... Weird things can happen. Wyoming lost to Eastern Michigan a couple of times, uh, once at home, once on the road. Going to the island is never easy, especially early in the season. And I actually think that Hawaii team is pretty good. Uh, I like Tevin Cordero a lot. I like some of the talent that they have at wide receiver. Uh, Bird is a, really, really good. Um, Hawaii, they're, they're seven wins. That's what their win totals listed at. Over plus 125, under minus 145. I really like the over for Hawaii. I think people are sleeping on them a little bit. Plus their schedule, it's it's pretty advantageous, man. They've got New Mexico State in a home-and-home, home, which is really weird, but they should win both of those games. They do start at UCLA, which is it's tough. UCLA is going to have a great offense. That's not a great week one game, and you'd like your opportunity at home way more than on the road. After that, they host Portland State, go to Oregon State. A lot of questions about Oregon State. They played tough down the stretch. I wonder if Sam Neuer is actually going to play quarterback for them, the former buffer, not. Then they got San Jose State at New Mexico State, Fresno State at home, at Nevada. Nevada, man, they've got all of these good teams coming to Reno this year, and that's why I really like their win total as well, which is uh, 7.5, man. You can get the over at minus 120, the under at plus 100. I don't know why you would take the under just given the talent that they have on offense. Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs. I mean, they are an electric an electric team. They're, they're going to be really good. But it's going to be interesting to see out of Hawaii, Nevada, uh, Fresno State, and San Jose State, who can kind of survive this gauntlet. And that's not even talking about San Jose State or San Diego State, excuse me, getting all kinds of tongue-tied here, who's been the, the perennial contender out of the West Division. All of these teams return a ton of talent. San Diego State's the only team where it's kind of unproven at quarterback at this point. But Hawaii, they've got Cordero coming back. San Jose State's got Starkle. Nevada's got Carson Strong. Fresno State's got Jake Hayner. All of these teams are going to be in it. You know, Fresno State, talk about a potential sleeper team. Their win total, it's six. And you can get under at minus 110 or over at minus 110. I would go the over. I think Fresno State is going to be really good. Ronnie Rivers, one of the best running backs coming back. Hayner's really slept on too, man. That I think he's a top three quarterback in this conference and it just gets undervalued a little bit because of the hype around Bachmeyer and Carson Strong and Starkle and some of these other dudes. But Hayner can play. Like CSU fans found that out the hard way last year. I really like the over for Fresno State. Yeah, the last team that we have not gone over yet is San Diego State. Their win total is six and a half. Under plus 105, over minus 125. They're going to have really, really good defense. Again, they're unproven at quarterback. And that's always the big question for them. But San Diego State, they're pretty good for seven, eight wins a year, almost on lock, you know. So I, I feel pretty confident in recommending the over there. But a, a lot of fun action, man. There's a lot of opportunities for you to potentially cash in on some inefficiencies. Make sure you're checking out the game lines every week. 
you know, the, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Ten, some of these other leagues, Vegas is always on it. And despite the fact that there's actually two Mountain West institutions in the state of Nevada, they do seem to be a little bit slow to adjust on the Mountain West. There are some opportunities to just kind of make some money. And again, you know, it's not it's not the the size of those other leagues. You know, they just they don't have the same perception and they get slept on. But for you as a college football fan, there's an opportunity to make some money. All right, that's all I have for today's podcast. Thank you to everybody that continues to support us. We'll have more content over the next week. Talk about the passing offense, the pressure on Todd Santeo. I have a feature coming out on Scott Patchen. I have a video review coming out from my guy, Jake Schwanitz, on the draft, uh, from the draft pod, just kind of talking about all of the weapons that CSU's offense has. You're really going to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, lots of, lots of exciting stuff coming up. Really looking forward to getting to this season. It's going to be here before we know it. All right, that's all we have today. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend, great week whenever you're listening to this. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want.